we have an Olympics that's going on, the genocide games in Beijing, that all of us are actively not watching. It warmed my heart to hear that this is en route to the worst ever watched Olympics. Crocodile tears there for NBC. I do feel bad about for the athletes. I mean, you know, they've, they put a whole lot of work in. It's always, you know, even if it's a sport I don't particularly know anything about or care that much about, you see the, the, the art of the athletics uh, in the same way that you, you know, I'm not a, a painter. Uh, my brother's a pretty good painter, uh, but, but I can appreciate the art. I know nothing about music, but I love music. Um, you know, a bunch of people from all over the world get together and do stuff physically that's demanding. Sounds pretty exciting, unless unless you package it with genocide and a complete, you know, clampdown on on free speech. I mean, when 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 people go to an Olympics in which they're told not to bring their phone, not be well, well, for a very specific reason, because you can't trust that the host of the Olympics won't somehow penetrate your phone and put an app on it that's going to allow them to unlock all kinds of information on your phone to spy on you while you're in their country. Uh, you know, that's kind of bad enough. And then warned by, by none other than, than the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, not to say anything against China. It's too dangerous. Well, who, who vacations there? And, and well, so it's the Olympics is not a vacation. Look, it should be more like a vacation than a world war, shouldn't it? And, and you, you just don't vacation, you know, in, in places where genocides are going on. And of course, you know, all of the Uyghurs and so on. This isn't the first. This isn't the first genocide. There's Falun Gong. There's, there's anybody who ever dares to speak in the country of China. There's the Tibetans. Um, you know, so anyway, we, we did a script uh, uh, this way. I always call our commentaries a script because uh, we, we did radio for many years. And uh, it's called, what is it called? I have to get Changing it the Chinatsi Channel. Changing the Chinatsi <laughs> Channel. That was yesterday, February 10th. And by the way, this is This Week in Common Sense. You're Paul Jacob. We're talking about what goes on at thisiscommonsense.org. This piece basically, I, I think, is... Uh, an easy read makes a point from what a number of people around the world picked out some of the things they've said that I think uh, tell the story. And uh, but it's good news. <laughs> NBC's in trouble. Uh, it's good news that people won't put up with that. We don't want to live in that world. And people have voted with their eyeballs. And, and it's a it's a wonderful thing. And of course, at this is commonsense.org, we have been doing some things. Uh, like uh, we had Olympic sponsors this week, which was just a, a, a meme uh, where we talked about the, what we didn't talk about. We showed the genocide games and various corporate logos. One of the neat things about the changing the Chinazi channel uh, is that it came out that Coca-Cola, which is a big sponsor, uh, has nothing about it on their website nothing of it go to their homepage in the u.s 
nothing about it. If you go, uh, the, the Atlanta Journal Constitution went into different grocery stores in the Atlanta area, and there's Coke to buy, but there's nothing about them sponsoring the Olympics. And it's because the American people love freedom, hate tyranny, and, uh, and let's, let's give everybody a round of applause on that. And I don't know how fast you want to move off of that piece, but, but the uh, other country or people who seem to be hating tyranny and loving freedom are Canadians. And you wrote quite a bit about that this week. Yes, I did. And, and uh, we covered the, the truckers and we covered the GoFundMe uh, scandal. Uh, wasn't a scandal very long when, when the long arm of the, of the state in Florida and other places, I think rightly here, uh, came in and said, you know, we're going we're gonna to investigate whether you're not stealing people's money because uh, GoFundMe, we're talking about the, the Freedom Convoy, our first piece on that was government under siege uh, because, you know, the people in charge are, are uh, in, in uh, from Trudeau, who, you know, his first thing was, was to scram, get out of town. Uh, but they have treated these folks all along as just, you know, the, the worst f- people in the world. And it has all along seemed like there aren't many problems, aren't many arrests. Uh, some of them were, were uh, attacked as, as uh, white supremacists. And there were a couple of them who had made comments that I certainly think are racist, uh, you know, su- white supremacists, uh, stupid. Uh, but, you know, you've got thousands of people there. And of course, some of the incidents we're now finding out, this isn't, uh, we didn't know at the time this piece was written, uh, but some of the incidents uh, of a Nazi flag or this, nobody has a photo of that at the event. It's somewhere else in town and it, it shows somebody with a, with a flag. Uh, it's, it's the whole tenor of this from the media has been, these are barbarians at the gates. And these are people who look, uh, there's very few university degree professors, uh, doctors of, of whatever at the protest. And that's nothing against doctors of whatever. I, I like those folks too. Uh, but they're truck drivers. They bring, they bring stuff all across the country. They have a job I wouldn't want because you're gone a lot. You're by yourself a lot, which of course, when you're talking about infecting a whole bunch of people, they're by themselves a lot. Did I mention that? And, and so this this protest and i i don't i i'm I'm not going to defend anybody doing something stupid or mean or anything else but that's what we were kind of treated to right off the bat that these are terrible evil people who are terrorizing everybody in town and it seems like that the biggest problem the government has is stopping people from giving giving them gasoline so that they can keep their trucks running and that there's been this attempt I didn't know the government, if they didn't like your protest, could attempt to stop people from selling you gasoline for your for your truck or your car. Um, you know, in the U.S., if we had protests and the government like shut down all the gas stations so people couldn't drive to the protest, that'd be kind of uh, maybe an abuse of power and authority that they just don't have. And, you know, I'm no expert in, in Canadian law, but somehow this seems like what extraordinary reason is there now 
that you have this power to determine whether someone can buy gasoline or not. Same power, I guess, Tim, that you decide you're going to put a jab in your arm because I said so. This the whole insurrection thing is interesting. Um, and you asked the question, what is the power? In America, there's some evidence that somebody in government was supplying bricks at strategic locations during the riots of 2020 uh, leading up to the election. Somebody was supplying bricks and putting them in piles so the people, protesters, could grab them and throw them. Uh, that's a that's a that's an infrastructure logistic uh, thing that somebody was involved in, and the government never see, was never made a big deal about who's supplying these bricks. There was never an investigation. Why are these bricks there? Why are they the, all these stacks all over the place in these various cities? You mentioned this at the time to me. I, I don't remember reading anything about it or really, but... but well, it was never a big deal, it. but there's a lot of pictures of it. Stacks of bricks. and Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know who did it, but the fact that no government made a big deal about investigating it, but in Canada, they're trying to get people's gasoline. So it looks like in America, they somebody was sort of legally supplying <laughs> weapons... <laughs> And in, and in Canada, they're trying to take away legally acquired gasoline. That's just interesting. Yes, yes. Although I suspect that those weren't legally supplied. I mean, uh, there are there are all kinds of funders of things like that. I mean, there there uh, a lot of times when you know, I remember one of the first things in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, when there were protests there after uh, Michael Brown was shot and killed. Um, and uh, an unarmed black man by a white police officer with a gun, in which both the local authorities and Obama's Justice Department determined it was Michael Brown was the aggressor in the altercation. It, it appeared that he was on drugs and may have been P PCP that was in his blood. Doesn't mean he was on it at the moment. It kind of sticks around the blood, I guess, but, uh, and I'm not an MD, uh, but, but anyway, uh, and there are all these events and stuff, but but afterwards you're looking at Ferguson, Missouri, and you're you're like any human being. You have feelings of, geez, this is terrible for Michael Brown, for his parents, for this policeman, for the city that's burning. And then you look at who gets arrested, and it's not a lot of people from Ferguson, Missouri. It's people from California, and it's people from Illinois, and it's people from. You know, so it's it's uh, uh, a lot of these protests and they get there somehow. And and look, I'm not I'm not suggesting that the government should spend a whole lot of time finding out who's helping somebody go to a protest. I'm suggesting they stop people from doing things that are violent and criminal because that's that's their job and that they do it all the time and they do it even when it's not that easy. And there are times to retreat, obviously, but then, of course, only retreat so that you can get forces and and enforce the law and not in a, you know, I'm not I'm not a Trump. Hey, they used to slug them and that's good. That's bad. And then that means the policeman needs to be arrested. Um, so I'm all for law and order. Um, but. I'm, I'm going to lose my train of thought here. So well, I'm not sure. I think I want to push back on this because I, I find this interesting because obviously taking that over a, a, the streets of a city is illegal and it's not a legal protest. The, the convoy is not legal in any way. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not being very violent, but that's, that's nice. And I like that. And I'm for on their side, but it, it is kind of an insurrection. It is an insurrection, but let's think of how it's illegal. 
Okay. And this is the brilliance to me. What's what's so interesting about this is one, I sympathize with their position clearly. And I think the way they are going about it is what crime do they commit? Oh, your, your rig can't be here. Okay. Well uh, then impound it. I can't, I'm, I'm not going to move it. Okay. Well then, and, and is that a crime? You know, that's not terroristic threatening. That's not assault. That's, and all of a sudden, when you have all these trucks, and of course, the police have mentioned, you know, they're afraid of the damage those trucks could do. But of course, those trucks aren't doing any damage. And if you step back a little bit, you think, well, these trucks could have done this any day of any week of any year for decades and decades. And they haven't. They haven't ever. And I kind of have the sense that they don't want to. That's why they haven't. Because this is no fun. This isn't what they want to do. This isn't, they're not getting rich doing this. They're, they're trying to get rich, driving stuff back and forth. And so these are, this isn't, well, what can you do with malcontents like this? These are people that if you sit down and reach an agreement, they start driving stuff all over your country to deliver it to people without any problems. Without and not without any problems. Look, in any you know, some of them, somebody's gonna gonna you know be in the uh, in a truck that doesn't do the right thing. But that's from the beginning of time. That's like uh, uh, the taxi driver ran a stop sign, so ta all taxi drivers are bad. These folks are the salt of the earth, and they are protesting in a way that's extremely powerful and that shows their power not only on the street in a big rig, but their power over the economy. And Mr. Trudeau can say, I'm not talking to you. And he can call in people, the police or the military. But it just strikes me that this is a classic case where you can do all those things. You can be vicious with these people and ruin the rest of their lives or throw them in prison. You're going to lose. People are not going to like that. And all you have to do is sit down with them and probably say, you know what, we're going to take this mandate off. 90, what is it, 95%, something like that, 90, 90 plus percent of the truck drivers in Canada are vaccinated. And so it's it, part of it is them saying, we're tired of you telling us everything we can do in our life. This is a pro-freedom effort by people who help our world and don't hurt it. These, these guys, if you wanna, if, if, if the problem with our society is the Canadian truck drivers, our society's finished. That's not the problem. And if they're treated like free human beings, they are going to be usually beneficial to our society. And if not, they're gonna cause a lot of problems. Well, to me, the big issue is their illegality in the protest is in response to a gross illegality or immorality or something in Canada's lockdown measures and va vaccine mandates. And so it's a classic case of when your government is against you, 
and is committing crimes, what are generally considered crimes, crimes against humanity. And I think that these are them, though one third of the population, if not a half, is for those crimes. That's always a problem. It was a problem in Germany back in the end of the Weimar period. Uh, but when that happens, you are justified to, to, do, uh, to do something. And you're certainly justified to brinksmanship on, on you know, little minor illegalities, like shutting down the roads. And then there's the wonderful irony is that Canada and the United States have huge supply chain problems caused in part by the mandates and the vaccine stuff and the and the lockdowns and the truckers have had difficulties in both countries. They're not moving as well as they should. And now Trudeau is worried about, you know, more uh, supply chain problems. Well, he caused most of them. And if this isn't settled in a good way, even if it even if they stop for a while this is this is going to come back this is the sort of thing that you solve the problem and society is stronger or you don't solve the problem and it just festers and gets worse but i, I want to push back a little bit in that you know if this were the sort of crime against humanity where thousands of people were being killed and and so on and so on people don't see it that way and it's partly why the government has gotten away with, you know, anytime they can jab you with something in the arm uh, or anywhere else, um, that could lead to all kinds of things, including your death or your being, you know, forever harmed in some way. Uh, or, and, you know, people talk about they're not putting a chip in. But you know what? If they get to jam you anytime they want, when they want to put a chip in, they're going to be able to, because what are you going to do? So it's, it, you know, when you say crimes against humanity, I'm thinking, boy, that's, you know, that that's not Pol Pot. That's not some of these things yet. And, and so I think you overstate it. Yet at the same time, when you think about it and you and you we don't know who's going to live or die. And, it you know, it's not with some jackboot thug. They have a white, you know, apron and they're giving you a shot and they're doing it because they love medicine and they love helping people, but they've been, or you've been ordered to do it by some politician. That leads to crimes against humanity. In other words, it, it is the building block of when you don't have the right to say no, that's one of the key things that stops crimes against humanity. Sure. Though I think that when we start actually looking at the actual effects of the jabs, we're going to see that in normal times, we would have considered these crimes against humanity. That is, there's enough really bad reactions, including many deaths, and to, to younger people. COVID gets the old, the jab gets the old and the young. And this is going to be very interesting. Now, I don't know because we, I mean, we can't talk about much of this because so much of it is kind of squelched. We live in such a poisonous environment wherein we can't freely talk about the facts. Not only can we not talk about it, let's segue to Tuesdays. Uh, thank you for not stealing about GoFundMe. And this is not the first time uh, that, that GoFundMe has, has uh, you know, kind of decided to play politics. This is the, as, as I think probably everybody knows, but it's the, the you know, website where somebody has a problem, they need help, and you put it up and tell people and they come and they contribute money to reach a goal to help you uh, from everything from a protest to, you know, you need a, a liver or something uh, transplant. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the good guy part of the internet. 
except then they're going to shut certain people down. And you can understand, oh, we found out that they're really, you know, it's a pedophile ring or something. They, okay, well, let's not send the money there. And of course, the police come in and, and GoFundMe can call the police and say, oh, we have this terrible situation. But what GoFundMe seems to think is, if we don't like your politics, we're part of the cancel culture police, and we're going to steal your money. And what they first said to this freedom convoy that had raised, what was it, eight or 10 million? It was eight, and probably before it was 10. You don't mention an amount to the piece. I think it was it was eight or 10. But if it was 10, it was eight first. Uh, oh, hold, hold on a moment. I need to. <laughs> My cat is in motion. He is in motion. I see him. I can see him behind your shoulder there. Well, anyway, uh, uh, whatever number it was, they were going to take it all. And it would be one thing to say, okay, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to send money back to the people who gave it. They said they were going to take that money and give it to some other charity of their choosing. Then when they realized, oh, that does really look like grand larceny, they decided, well, we will give it back to people if they contact us. If in their busy lives, they decide to spend a couple hours to get back their 25 or 50 or $100 or more, then we'll give it back to them. Well, all of a sudden, uh, Governor DeSantis in, in Florida, who we've uh, hit on his uh, terrible positions on initiative and referendum, uh, but I've liked him on, on a few other things, he said, uh, he instructed the AG, we, we need to look at this. Uh, Floridians are being fleeced. And, uh, and now apparently, so has Texas and several other states. Uh, and I, I seem to remember there were some blue states on that list too. Uh, but they're looking at GoFundMe. And, and finally, you know, they're going to return the money to, because they're afraid of the, of the long arm of the law. They're going to return the money to the people who gave it. But they had no grounds in this to not do what they originally are set up to do. And I think that they could be sued for being fraudulent. And, and I don't know all the facts. <laughs> you can be sued for anything. Uh, but if someone steps up to sue you. But, but it seems to me that there are some possibility of grounds here where you are setting yourself up as a website that takes money and gives it to people and then decide you're going to play, you know, political cop at the last minute. Seems that that should be very much laid out there. And yeah. uh, there are other groups. Uh, we mentioned uh, Give, Send, Go. Uh, you know, it doesn't roll off the tongue because, you know, GoFundMe, everyone has talked about that for years. It's got a huge position in the marketplace. But could you imagine Anyone trying to raise money online for a cause that would go to GoFundMe when you could go to Give, Send, Go, and you know that, you know, the name may not be as spiffy, but the money actually goes to the, to the cause and doesn't get ripped off. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the cancel culture of social media. Uh, this isn't really even social media. This is a whole nother, like, category of the internet now that has become politicized in a in a kind of a uh, quasi totalitarian way isn't it nice i think it's really part of the general trend of excluding people 
that you disagree with from sorry about my cat but let's just let the cat do its we, thing and we and probably it. shouldn't make it a regular thing but it's slightly endearing <laughs> so, we're gonna get think of all the animal lovers yeah. we'll, we'll have more people than ever anyway my point i think was about uh exclusion inclusion and there's a tendency to use credit card companies. This is not just a GoFundMe thing, and it's not just right. Lisa. This has been going on for several years. Uh, and the general trend is that the government and the elites, that is, uh, this is a well-established uh, set of connections between think tanks and people in Europe from Davos and places like that. They want to get rid of cash. The thing that they most want in the world is to take control of your wealth. Because their point is, 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 is coming is that when the next crash comes, they want to be able to basically freeze your account so that you can't do a run on any of the bank in any possible way. And that's one of the things they really hope to do and they're very close to it. And the people who are talking about all this ideological stuff are preparing the way for that to be ramped up one leg further so that when the next crash comes, the elites could take complete control. So that you don't have well, any money, you're not allowed to use cash because that's gonna be going away very soon. Anybody who knows the danger of big government knows that we need cash and we need everything not to become this digital society. Look, have the digital you know, uh, society and be able to use it but don't ever let them take away cash. And it's, it's on this, uh, you know, cancel type culture. When, when I think of like, what, what's going to happen if Russia invades Ukraine? Well, all kinds of sanctions and they may not stop. A lot of times they don't, but they do cripple economies sometimes because they can't trade and can't do different things. Well, that's war. It's a, it's a form of war. And it's we ought to be very careful of about allowing our government to do that to any other country. There are times, and, and an invasion of Ukraine sounds like a you know a pretty darn bad thing on the on the scale. Uh, but but what is being planned to do to Putin is also, I think Tim would agree with this, being contemplated with us. And, and we would be foolish not to think that that was ever contemplated, maybe by one of the really bad guys somewhere. But let's just say it could grow. And, and when you think about that level of, you know, the, the, the old science fiction thing where they, everything was so controlled, there was no way to do anything. Well, I mean, we live in a, in a world in which you're in a downtown city almost anywhere in the world. They've got cameras every which way. Every move you make, they've got it, you know, 360. Well, your piece on the 9th, uh, Exclusion and Enforced Inclusion, is kind of about this subject. This is It's about the next level up from just what's going on the ground with the, the trucker convoy and so forth. This is, and, and GoFundMe, this is, this is the next level. We don't talk about, you know, one world government. I remember decades ago, people would talk about, they want one world government where the elites will control everything. And, and so, of course, they're never going to say, we want one world government. But there are people, and we have a link here, uh, you know, to a, to a Davos conversation about how wonderful their guy, Justin Trudeau, is and how, 
you know, he's one of our favorite elites around the elite world. It's kind of funny because sometimes people talk about this is a conspiracy, but it's not a conspiracy theory. They're conspiring right in front of everybody's face. They're proud. They're, they're very proud of what they're doing. This whole idea of remaking society from the ground up or top down or whatever. What was Obama's great line? Obama used it over and over again. Transformational. So that we'll be in a different place than we started. And, and look, you know, you can't make too much of this. And in some ways, as human beings, we want to transform ourselves into better and so on. But look at look at how that happens and look at is is this happening because you know we're going to transform this nation because we're we're going to give you more power to do as you want or is it we're going to do everything here you just sit down keep that money coming keep doing what we tell you to do put the mask on oh no don't put the mask on oh wait a second yes do put the mask on and and you know, take the shot and and two of these shots in everybody's arm and this thing's gone. Oh, it's not gone. Well, maybe you need another shot and maybe another and maybe another. And there's a six month old kid that oh, you haven't you haven't jabbed them six or eight times. I mean, they have a one in 62 zillion chance of getting COVID and, and dying from it. This, you know, and and I see it. Look, if, if you've got kids in this environment and and. Uh, you know, you're scared to death. It's your job to take care of them. And, and when the culture reinforces that you need to be even more scared to death nonstop, um, and then it's important that they be at home and that you be working at the same time and that the, you know, the safest places in schools, but the teachers unions don't like going to, to school. You can kind of understand it. It's just that a lot of people didn't want to go to work during COVID, but they had to because politically they weren't so powerful. And, and we're still fighting it. You know, we just had an election in Virginia where the number one issue was education and the fact that, you know what, parents really do have a certain role to play and we're tired of being pushed around by teachers unions and by, you know, superintendents making 16 times as much as anybody else's uh, economically. and and yet, they're still fighting on all the mask mandates and everything else. It's, it, uh, it has been interesting to, to see some of the governors now, Democratic governors, who look at it and say, I think we have to back off here. And of course, they're saying that the science has changed and so on. But what, what largely, largely has changed, like in New Jersey, the governor there, is that he won in a solidly democratic state by a whisker, by a whisker. And they don't see this coming. It's a little bit, uh, uh, Matt Taibbi had a really good piece this week talking about it and pointing out it's the same thing that happened with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is campaigning all over the country. She can hardly get anyone to come out to her events. Donald Trump's campaigning all over the country. There's huge crowds. And because the media all is for Hillary Clinton, they can't imagine uh, that, that you know, she isn't going to win. And they cover things from their vantage point, not from ours. I have a, a good friend from Minnesota who, uh, who told me as a kid, when Ronald Reagan won re-election, she just didn't know what to think. 
And of course, he won re-election in 1984 by like the biggest margin <laughs> that anybody has ever won. But she said she was a kid. She lived in a li liberal area and all of her her parents and her parents' friends were all liberal and she never heard a good word about Ronald Reagan. And, and that's kind of how our media is. They, they, don't, they don't understand what's going on in Ottawa. They don't know these people. They think truck driver is like, I don't know. Has anyone ever met a truck driver? What are they like? I just took a screenshot of your Facebook page that has something you wrote this week about uh, the change of mind by Democrats. And uh, and I don't know if you could, can you quote it from memory or should I quote it right from what I see right now? Quote it because I'll screw it up. Uh, yeah. I probably yeah. could. If we your your line was so good. We should have put it at the end of one of your pieces, but we never got around to it. So here it is. Democratic officials are following the science in relaxing mandates and restrictions. Their polls are scientific. That is the nature of the science that politicians are best at. Yes. And it's, it's, it is so painful to hear people say, follow the science, and the science they're following is a politician making decisions about their life. It's, uh, it's very sad. But, you know, we had what I would consider the feel-good piece uh, of the week. Freedom fighting. I'm going to mess it up. How do you, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Washougal. That? It's Washougal. Washougal. It's very close to Vancouver, Washington. Freedom fighting Washugal style. And, and this is three high school seniors uh, who are protesting and refusing to wear the mask. It's kind of like a Seinfeld, you will wear the ribbon. No, I don't, you will wear the ribbon. Uh, they don't want to wear the mask. And they are protesting in a way that I think is very, very positive. They're telling their fellow students no rudeness to teachers. If they say, hey, you've got to put on a mask, say, I'm, I'm not going to. If they send you home, you know, don't raise a ruckus, say, well, then you'll have to send me home. It's, it's a little bit the same way as the truckers. They're much, I think, more polite than the truckers because they're kids. <laughs> but uh, but uh, because, you know, they're looking for how can we gain the credibility for you to listen to us? And, and that's how we end this piece, is suggesting really that Governor Inslee in Washington State ought to be listening to these kids. They're kids, I'm an old guy, and uh, uh, young men, and they're, they're doing it the right way. Uh, the one guy says, we want this to be a peaceful, respectful movement. We are just trying to gain back our rights as citizens. The teachers in the end are just doing their jobs it doesn't come from them. It comes from the state. It comes from Inslee and it comes from Trudeau. And they refuse to sit down. They're always about, we're, we're here to help the little guy, but by golly, that little guy's never talking to me. And, and these truckers, it's the same sort of thing. They're not, they're not burning things. They, the, the most they can be accused of is loitering with their trucks blocking roads and so on. Well, tow them, do whatever you have to do. Those aren't serious crimes. Uh, honking their horn, disturbing the peace. How many disturbing the peace, you know, citations do you want to do? 
when the government can't make peaceful, law-abiding, hardworking people follow their dictates, it is time to it's time to resign. But it is time, if you're not willing to resign, to pull up a chair where those people are and start talking to them. Well, it's better than what could happen. Uh, the other choice is that at some point, people do have the right, according to our Declaration of Independence, to remove even democratically elected people can be removed from office by the people if they become tyrants, if the democratically elected people become tyrants. And uh, I think that we're there, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. It would be nice to do it if they would just come to their senses and, you know, uh, make peace with their own people. That would be that would be my preference. Yes. And and it's a shame, I think, that the media uh is so such a negative force in causing there to be any coming together. And you can imagine that if this were tax cuts being passed, that these truckers demanded more money for the roads in Canada, and yet the Canadian parliament had passed tax cuts that and refused to up the, the uh, maintenance on the roads, these would be saints and heroes, and we would have nothing but man on the, you know, trucker on the street story after, and is that your little girl? And is that your, oh, what a nice puppy he's got. Um, instead, they're evil, terrible people who you should never talk to, almost like they're domestic terrorists, like parents going to a PTA meeting or a, or a school board meeting or something. That's kind of terrible. So, this this will be very interesting to see how it how it works out and it it i think is a reason though to be very hopeful in that it shows that when real people who and, and by real people what i mean is people who are engaged actively in making your country run if if all the dock workers walk off the the job one day it matters now because you might be able to hire more dock workers uh, maybe faster than you could <laughs> the union will let you but but uh but faster than you could get truckers but then you know there's not enough truckers now and these sorts of of protests and when you know for someone to step out and protest is is not a normal thing and anytime they do it and on all issues, you know, I went to two protests during the summer of 2020, two criminal justice reform protests that I'm sure someone would have said, well, that's a Black Lives Matter protest. And, you know, the people behind Black Lives Matter or BLM are Marxist and so on and so on. There are issues involved, and, and the fact that people came out like me, but like the other people there too, that matters. And the fact that all these truckers come out and, and put their livelihood at some risk, that doesn't happen because, oh, they're just, you know, they're just a bunch of people who want to complain. These are not the complainers in our society, but boy, their complaints are sure being heard loud and clear. Uh, you had a hopeful note to end the week, but... Well, I had three quotes that I did want to uh, touch on that uh, we have a thought every day at thisiscommonsense.org, 
And the first one is by uh, Jason Burmis. And uh, it's someone who, who you're familiar with. I'm not so much. And, and what he says is very interesting. But he says, I'm sick of hearing about China and their censorship, OK? Our censorship is China's censorship now. Dragonfly and Google were the same thing. I warned you then, it's over. Right off the bat, like you know, him noticing that uh, censorship is censorship and it just doesn't change just because it's in the US or China and, uh, and, and, and that sort of thing. I also, though, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that he says it's over. I'm kind of hoping it's not over. What do you say? You understand much more of the context uh, of who he is and why he's saying this. Well, Jason Burmas is uh, one of the main contributors on Rockfin to uh, daily commentaries and things like that. He's, you know, he's been dealing a lot with COVID. He's been, he's dealing with a lot with conspiracy theories, and uh, he just talks about what's going on in the world. He's concerned about First Amendment kind of rights, and he's very much concerned about. Uh, digital tyranny, the tyranny of people who control the, the media. And uh, he's mainly here talking about how Dragonfly and Google, they're all part of the the, the nexus of the deep state. Uh, Dragonfly is China's and Google is ours. And he, he makes the connections between our social media companies and our CIA and NSA and companies and DARPA and places like that very clear. I mean, he, he, he likes to establish where the legal connections are when, you know, it, that's the kind of thing you'll find from Jason Burmas. And he's a really interesting guy, and I think he does a great, great work. And I don't think he's saying it's over in the sense the fight is over. I think he's, he's, he's saying it's over in the sense that the censorship is here. The censorship that China has is in America and it's supported by our political establishment and many of the people in the country. They like it. They like it because they want to control the narrative. And that's what they do in China. They control the narrative. And uh, that's what he's basically saying as far as I can tell. And he's and, just, and, I, go, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, he's, just, he's just saying that China's form of censorship, I mean, it's more draconian than in America and more thorough, but we have it here, and it's done the same way by major internet outfits. In our cases, Google and other major outfits. As we reported here at thisiscommonsense.org, during the campaign, Google admits playing down, pushing down the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, there's all kinds of things. It, it censored the lab leak stuff for a year plus, uh, all these sorts of things. And, and of course, you know, like with uh, Peng Shui, the, the tennis player in, in uh, China, you know, the, the internet was scrubbed awfully fast. There wasn't a whole lot of resistance there because of course there are no real <laughs> resistance points in China anymore. Right. In the US, there would be some of those. It wouldn't be as complete at first. But over time, you know, if you keep running over something, it gets smaller and smaller. And, and, and so he makes a really important point. And I think the only point to make with that is that not only is the same thing here, but it's not a phenomena that we don't know how it got here. People, like you point out, Tim, people want it here. As we talked about, what, last week or the week before when the poll came out where a plurality of Democrats 
think that if you question the vaccine science, the COVID science, that is the official line that huge fines or imprisonment is what should happen to you. You know, that's not freedom. That's not what uh, what the First Amendment and what America is all about. And we rail about it and, and how dangerous China is because it's a, a society where you can't say anything without fear of death or imprisonment or torture. And we keep pointing out this is where we're headed if we don't do something. And as he's pointing out, it is a, today not a difference in anything but degree, anything but the, the distance down that road the two countries have traveled. We're going down the same road. It's, it's really scary. But one thing China doesn't have that we do have, and one is Rockfin. And this program, This Week in Common Sense, is on Rumble. And so Rumble and Rockfin are not beholden to Google or the deep state, as far as I can tell. Uh, I hate to say it, I think Rockfin's a better platform. It has a really interesting way of, of monetizing uh, the product. I r highly recommend people check out Rockfin. He's on Rockfin, we're on Rumble, and those two things are against the Google complex, against the Alphabet yes. Corporation. And it's very important. Uh, and I don't think I'm gonna put up this episode on uh, on YouTube this week. I don't think there's any point in putting this episode up on YouTube because it'll just get taken down. Yeah, I, I think at any time, and as we put it up on Facebook, which hopefully sometime soon, we're not putting it up on Facebook anymore. We're putting it up only on some, some other platform. And we did a little bit on MeWe and so on, but I think, I think that hasn't happened as quick as, as Rumble competing with, uh, and Rockfin with, with YouTube. So that, that's great. Hey, I had one more uh, thought this week that, that I really appreciated. And that was uh, William Makepeace Thackeray saying, I never know whether to pity or congratulate a man on coming to his senses. And uh, I, I, it reminds me of my sister, who a lot of times I talk to on the phone and, and after, you know, at the end of the call, we've talked about some of the, you know, the most outrageous things going on in the world today and, and the problems that be. And she'll, she'll like go, you know, I never feel that good after I talk to you because you make me think of things that I really wish I wasn't thinking about at this moment. So, uh, so maybe coming to your senses is not just such a good thing, but, uh, but it does mean that then maybe you take action and uh, actions have consequences and those can be very good sometimes. Well, it's mainly just a funny sta statement that brings to mind some problems. And the problem was uh, stated by Isabel Patterson in a different way. Uh, Isabel Patterson was a novelist and critic in the first part of the 20th century in New York, uh, a fairly famous figure uh, among people you know, like us, uh, right. not any more well-known. But she said something um, like this. I heard it quoted once. And the line was, talking about her friends who were once Reds, but no longer Reds. And her says, I understand being an ex-communist. I have trouble understanding how you can be an ex-fool. And, uh, <laughs> and it's obviously we can become ex-fools, but it is hard. And, it, and so it, it, it's worth keeping in mind this problem when somebody comes to their senses, okay, well, how trustworthy are they? You know, I don't know. It's worth thinking about. <laughs> I don't know.
all of us could agree that everybody is a fool on something. So everybody that's, that's, plays the fool, wasn't that? I think that's the main ingredient. Probably early seventies. I, I don't know who. Who's no exception to the rule. It may be casual, maybe cruel, but everybody plays the fool. That's a good song, but who's the boss? It's by the main ingredient, I believe. I've never heard of them. Sometimes I'm wrong about these things. Rarely, but sometimes. Well, but I think that's who it is. If you go to Rumble, if the people who are listening go to Rumble and watch the video, I'll put across the screen the correct information right now. But we and won't if know. If I'm it. right, Paul was right. Big okay. exclamation point. Okay, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening and not watching the Olympics. <laughs> okay, very good. Mm -hmm.